When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin, and as always, I'll be joined by my boy Sarah Bettinger. He's out there in Omaha, Nebraska. Sarah, man, how we doing out there, buddy? Yo, doing great, man. Craziness of the College World Series has taken over the city, so uh, you can feel it in the air, man. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. No, I was just going to ask that, man. What's it like living out there with all that kind of nonsense going around, you know, once a year out there in your hometown in Omaha, man. How much of it – I've never been to Omaha. Kind of lay the scene there. I know this is a football podcast, but, you know, that's one of the most historic places. I know they tore down Rosenblatt Stadium, but I'm sure it's still got a great atmosphere out there, my man. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's it's really fun. It's a lot uh, – it's, it's just a lot when you're downtown and you're at the TD Ameritrade Park. There's so much to see, so much to do. They set up all these different like vendors and food stations and there's like Nike pop up shops out there. It's I mean, it's crazy. They go full out all out for it. I think it's pretty funny, though. My parents were in town over the weekend and they're like they, they tried to get a hotel room here, which is nearly impossible at this particular time of year. And the hotel, which is normally seventy dollars a night, went for three hundred bucks. Oh, my God. Uh, three hundred bucks a night. I know it's crazy, man. And and the another funny thing that happened was yesterday I was at the store, and uh, these this family of Arkansas Razorbacks fans came in. You know, the Arkansas is one of the best teams in college mm-hmm. baseball, apparently. So these people come in. They've they've been traveling, and the reason that I knew they've been traveling is because they mentioned it to the store clerk who was working. They're like, "Hey, do you have?" baby wipes and there was no baby in sight there was a bunch of teenage boys and their mom and she's like these boys are smelling ripe something to wipe them down after seven years of traveling so i thought it was pretty funny these teenage boys were about to get a bath with some baby wipes last night but uh that's just you know it goes to show you know what you you get the job done no matter what you're gonna get to the college world series no matter what so they made it happen 
No, man, a baby wipe shower is something as a as a former smelly teenager. I can definitely get behind, man. Those teenagers, as the mom mentioned, uh, man, they get they get to be smelling ripe, man. A lot of hormones and pheromones <laughs> going on in that situation there. Uh, but on tonight's episode, man, we're gonna hit a mailbag, uh, some fan questions that we've gotten via Twitter and uh, whatnot, and then we're gonna get in uh, to a little comeback of the year candidates, some guys that maybe you know had their season cut short last year with some injuries, and uh, we'll name those guys that each Sarah and I both uh, believe are here, uh, due for a bounce-back year, if you will, here uh, in the 2019 season in the NFL. Uh, we'll start with the fan questions. We'll get those out of the way. We've got a handful of them, just five that we're going to get to tonight. Um, sorry for the rest of you guys. We couldn't quite get to you, but we might get you to the next show. Uh, if you ever want to submit a fan question, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, at uh, NFLMox, or you can feel free to get me at Brooks underscore Austin FS and Sarah, of course, at Sarah Bettinger. Sarah spelled S-A-Y-R-E. So that is all the good news, uh, all the Twitter handles that you can get us at. Uh, but we'll start here with at OrmsbyT11. He asked, Sarah, if you had to take one of the two for the next five years, who you got, Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz? And he didn't specify here, Sarah, but let's just call it a neutral situation to begin with, uh, and then mm-hmm. we'll kind of get mm-hmm. your uh, your statements as far as the team scenarios that they've got going on. So I'll open the floor to you. Who you got next five years, Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz, my man? Gosh, this is an interesting one. Taking a year apart, both have ACL injuries on their uh, on their resume at this point. Yeah, multiple. That's correct. Yeah. So both have great leadership traits. Both have intriguing dual threat skills. I don't know, man. This is about as tough as tough gets, but I think I'm going to take Deshaun Watson. And honestly, I have no real reason why other than I just really like what he was able to do at a higher level coming out of college in Clemson. I think dethroning Alabama earned Deshaun Watson a lot of respect in my book. And I know that maybe skill-wise or, or physical ability-wise, he may not be quite what Carson Wentz is. But I think Deshaun Watson is a gamer, and he's a big-time, big-game player. And I just like that about him. You know, we mentioned it on a previous podcast, how much I value the it factor. And I think both of these guys really do have that it factor. But I just like what Deshaun Watson's done on the bigger stage. And Carson Wentz, I mean, it's not that he's replaceable or anything, but he played on a team that – you know, won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. So I think Watson's kind of made a lot more out of a lesser situation there in Houston and taking on a taking on a neutral playing field. I think I'd go with Watson. Yeah, that's what I was going to say on a neutral, just a, a pure neutral situation. I would go with Watson as well. I just think he gives you such a unique skill set, and the highs are so high, Sarah. Uh, just when getting into this show prep, thinking about this argument here, I just couldn't get that thirty-six to thirty-three loss. Uh, at New England in week three as a rookie, Sayre, um, because Deshaun Watson flat out balled against the GOAT, man. I literally thought we were watching the future of the NFL, uh, and I know he got hurt after just six games uh, in his rookie year there in practice, uh, a non-contact injury, and I know he came up short in that game against New England, but the whole package was on display extremely, extremely early. Uh, Didn't seem overwhelmed at all, similar to the case we saw with Baker Mayfield last year. He gets inserted in that New York Jets game as Tyrod Taylor goes down, and immediately you're like, okay, this guy just kind of belongs on this stage and on this level uh, of football. Similar uh, case here with Deshaun Watson. I know we had a hot start 
with Carson Wentz. But again, if I were to just take a neutral situation like we talked about, I would take Deshaun Watson. Now, that being said, these situations aren't neutral at all. Carson Wentz is obviously in a much more optimal situation there in Philadelphia, whereas in Houston, uh, man, they just seem to be in turmoil down there, uh, especially with what's going on uh, in their front office department with – Billy O'Brien running the former uh, GM out of the building and now them looking like they're honestly going to face some tampering charges uh, with trying to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, persuade the New England active GM right now out of there uh, doing also at a ring ceremony, which all kinds of just seems kind of sketch. But anyways, back to the question (laughs) uh, for Mr. Ormsby T11. Again, neutral situation. I think we're both going to go with Carson Wentz here, but uh, we both truly believe the better, more optimal situation as they currently sit uh, is definitely there in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz. Uh, On to the next one here, Sarah. At Jeffrey the Greek asks, how do you see the AFC North playing out, and could the Browns actually be the favorite? Again, Sarah, I'll let you go, man. The floor is yours. Are the Cleveland Browns the favorite in the AFC North? And boy, does that sound wild. I think they are because they have the best quarterback in the division. And I think they also have the most talented roster from top to bottom. I know it's a super, super hot take, but I mean, you're talking, you're looking at Ben Roethlisberger kind of, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to say Ben Roethlisberger is a hack or anything, but I think he's on the back end of his career. He just lost his best receiver. I know Juju's going to step up and I know somebody's going to take his place, but you lose a guy like Antonio Brown that can't be overstated. And I also don't really care for, Pittsburgh's defense and we know Cincinnati's going to be you know near they're going to be picking in the top five in next year's draft if not number one overall and and I think Baltimore with Lamar Jackson I'm just not sold on it yet I, I know they caught fire a little bit last year but I'm just not sold on that whole situation yet I think Baltimore's defense took some big hits in free agency obviously I mean losing losing the middle of that defense with CJ Mosley and I think I think that the loss of Terrell Suggs, man, is is a lot bigger than people are making it out to be. I know he's older, uh, but at the same time, you lose a, an emotional heart and soul legend of your team like that. I mean, you just can't replace that guy except on paper, you know. So they, they can do their best to replace him. But I think that Baltimore, although they did make some improvements this offseason, I think are worthy of we, – we talked about it. They had one of the best offseasons in the NFL, in my opinion. But at the same time, that, that great offseason doesn't necessarily mean I think they have the best team in the division. So I'm taking Cleveland, man, and I think, I think they're definitely the favorites in my eyes. Yeah, you know what? I think it's a very good question here from Jeffrey the Greek. And I'll tell Jeffrey this. I do think they are, as you do, Sarah, the favorite there in the AFC North. And look, I know, obviously, that Baltimore and Pittsburgh have ruled this division for, you know, seemingly forever. And for the first time, uh, I legitimately think the Browns actually have the best roster in this division. We talk on this show all the time about how it's more about the Jimmys and the Joes than the X's and the O's. The, the playmakers on the field are the guys on Sunday who genuinely win you football games. Not everyone is going to do it through sheer uh, you know, coaching excellence and quarterback play as the New England Patriots do. Um, so you need guys up and down the roster, and Cleveland has finally filled it out there uh, with Mr. Dorsey there at the helm of the roster. And I know he's obviously made some questionable moral decisions, but nonetheless, if you just look at the names on the rosters and, and the roster on paper, it's it's absolutely hands down the best in the AFC North. Um, now, where does Freddie Kitchen fall in the coaching ranks of this division? 
That's my question. It's something we just don't know, obviously. We know he has some prior success there as an offensive coordinator, and him and Baker Mayfield seem to seemingly get along. Um, but I can tell you this right now. Mike Tomlin is a pretty damn good football coach, and John Harbaugh is a pretty damn good football coach as well. So I, I think Freddie Kitchen probably falls in third in line in, the, in terms of, you know, who's the best coach in the division. And you can kind of weight that as you want. And like we talked about, it is more of the players. Um, but, you know, I definitely think we talked about it last episode, Sarah. There's no more pressure on anybody in the NFL than there is on Freddie Kitchens because of how stacked this roster is from top to bottom. So, though right. I do believe they're the favorite in the AFC North, nothing ever stops me short of saying that things can go wrong in Cleveland because they have for so, so long there. Um, and if I think they do, it, it all falls apart uh, in the in the locker room and you know because there are some combative uh, you know personality types on that roster there in Cleveland uh, and st- look no further than their quarterback I mean we've seen uh, you know his statements on Duke Johnson and we've seen obviously there's been multiple rep- reports that that's had some blowback in the locker room from the limited uh, you know veterans that they do have in that locker room um, and even though Baker Mayfield seemingly has the you know the hold on that as the as the captain and the leader there uh, maybe he needs to hold his tongue there uh, you know a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, especially with guys like OBJ because I tell you what the first time he comes out in a press conference and, and, and blames a, a late crucial play on OBJ or Jarvis Landry I don't necessarily think that's going to sit very well uh, with two vocal guys like that in their wide receivers room so all good things in Cleveland seemingly but there is some room obviously still to grow there in that coaching staff Uh, and and if there's anything I don't necessarily trust right off the bat it is that they're gonna have to you know grow and earn some of that trust so let's go on to our next one at Jacob I I, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong Jacob Wingler Wingler I I guess is how you pronounce that ask which of these quarterbacks retires first Sarah Drew Brees Tom Brady or that man out west Philip Rivers I guess I'll start here Sarah man I would absolutely love for Phil Rivers to have one of those John Elway walkaways, uh, you know, kind of walk-off seasons this year. Nothing would make me happier than watching, uh, you know, Rivers win a chip and then walk off into the sunset. But the tricky part about, uh, you know, this situation to me is that all of these guys are in really good situations still and winning situations for that matter. If you just look at all three of them, you know, the roster there in New Orleans is set and primed uh, to make a deep playoff run as they have the last couple of seasons. We know what New England is steadily doing up there. And, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers have a stacked roster out there in L.A. That being said, though, I'd automatically remove Brady from this conversation. I think he outlasts them both. So with that being said, that leaves Breeze or Rivers here. And I'm going to play it just simply by the numbers. Um, Rivers is 37 years old, and, you know, he has about 12 kids under the age of seven. So it's going to see it's going to seem to it's going to have to keep him young out there with that kind of, you know, uh, barnyard sh- uh, showcase going around in his house there. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit to that, raising some young ones yourself, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> they probably keep you young while also draining every bit of energy and uh, strength you have out of you. But, uh, you know, Breeze will be 41 this season, and we don't see these quarterbacks typically decline slowly. They normally fall off a cliff, uh, as we saw with Peyton Manning uh, as of late. You know, that's the, the latest example. 
people I can bring uh, for Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks uh, in their later years. So that's kind of my take on it. Uh, I, I removed Brady from the conversation, man. That guy might play till he's 60. Hell, he might, you know, just replace his, his lower body with a, a robot at some point. <laughs> he might last that long. You never really know. Um, so I'm taking him out of the conversation. I'll settle with Breeze there um, just because, like I said, Rivers is only 37. What are your thoughts, my man? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you here. I think it's going to be Breeze, and I think one of the reasons, too, is that he's going to be able to leave the Saints organization in good hands. I don't I don't think – I don't know how much this necessarily plays into these guys' decisions. Obviously, it the, the thing that matters the most is whether or not they can still play. Mm-hmm. And so if they can still play, I think they're going to still do it. You know, like, like you mentioned with Brady, I mean, he's still playing at an MVP level. Phillip Rivers, great situation, still playing at an MVP level. And I think Breeze is as well. However, I think that Breeze has the easiest out to say, you know what, look, I'm leaving the team in really good hands, especially if the Saints win it all this season, which they very well could. So if, if the Saints win it all, I think I think we definitely see Breeze retire. If they don't, boy, that's three years in a row where, I mean, you if, if – if anything, we can assume the Saints are going to go pretty far this year. I mean, they've yeah. got a great, one of the best rosters in the NFL right now. So assuming they go pretty far again and they don't win at all, just imagine that. Imagine losing on the Minneapolis Miracle two years ago. Mm. Imagine losing on that, that blatant pass interference last year. And then imagine losing again this year uh, in a very tough way. I, I mean, if you make the playoffs and you lose, mm. that's tough regardless because you fought all season long, you made it. So I'm not saying that Drew Brees would go down defeated or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, look, that's that's a grind, man. And and like all these other guys, he's got a family at home. He's got kids. He's got, I mean, he's he's been in the league 19 years. So it's just crazy what these guys are what these guys are able to do at their age. And but I think Brees for sure, man. He's he's definitely kind of on borrowed time right now. I think we saw a little bit of. Uh, saw a little bit of him his play falling off a couple of years ago but he picked it back up uh, I just feel like if he can win it all this year he's 40 years old been in the league 19 seasons he does have a title already unlike Philip Rivers so he's not really it's not like he's never won one before but man if he goes out on top or if he goes out in another heartbreaking fashion I could see him saying like look you know what I've had enough. I can leave this team in Teddy Bridgewater's hands. That's why they re-signed him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I can cheer these guys on from the sideline. Yeah, you almost wonder if Teddy Bridgewater kind of got a, you know, not a written or a soft, you know, confirmation or anything, but kind of similar to the Austin McDaniels situation up there in New England. Obviously, it's a coach and a player, so it's a little different. But McDaniels kind of almost promised that he's the coach in waiting. And I think Teddy Bridgewater might have been, you know, necessarily, not necessarily spoken word, uh, but kind of a wink, wink. Hey, you're our guy for the future uh, if and when Drew mm-hmm. does end mm-hmm. up leaving. So I think that's kind of why you saw him re-sign there in New Orleans when he obviously had multiple chances to go start elsewhere. But something that's kind of unspoken uh, in terms of the NFL world is what Breeze does to keep his body in shape and healthy. You know, he seemed pretty athletic if this uh, you know past season, if if anything look back to that I think it was week 15 uh in Atlanta he kind of shakes 
uh, you know, Deion Jones there at the, you know, goal line to score mm. a touchdown late and sideswipes him, and, you know, scores with his legs. And he kind of did a lot more with his legs last year um, than he had in previous seasons. And, you know, I don't know who it was. I can't remember who asked him about it. Well, they kind of asked him, you know, you know, everything's made about Tom Brady and what he does to keep his body healthy. Um, and, and it was asked and formatted to Drew Brees in the, in, in the form of, hey, why don't we hear anything about what you do to your body? And he simply stated, man, because I don't want to let people know what I'm doing, what's working, uh, just kind of keep that competitive <laughs> edge. And that's how Drew Brees operates, man. He's always trying to keep a leg up and do it quietly. Uh, and it seems like he's done that all, all of his career, just quietly putting up uh, one of the best statistical quarterbacks careers we've ever seen uh in the in the sport of football so that's kind of where we sit we see uh you know Drew Brees even though he is you know tailoring or you know doing well at the at his age we kind of see him going out first here um so on to our next question at Steagles one ask what do you think of the Andre Dillard pick there at 22 and what do you expect out of Deshaun Jackson back in Philadelphia so obviously kind of an Eagles oriented question here um I'll let you start Mm -hmm. Sarah uh First with the Andre Dillard pick, what did you think of that pick there at number 22? Gosh, I think it's a great pick. Um, just looking at positional value there in the first round and, and the, the roster that the Eagles have built, I mean, this is a great situation for Dillard to go into because you got Jason Peters in the twilight of his career, man, and, and they get the best pass-protecting offensive tackle in the draft all the way down at 22, and they didn't really have to give up that much to get him, and they jumped ahead of a team like Houston that desperately needed Dillard. Uh, so I think the Eagles did really well here. This is a this is a position where you're constantly trying to find somebody to hold it down in the NFL, right? I mean, teams are, are struggling at the tackle positions. There's not 64 really good offensive tackles in the NFL right now. There's, I mean, there's border, there's barely 32 really good ones, and so. To get a guy like Andre Dillard to eventually replace Jason Peters, even though Vitae played pretty well in that Super Bowl run, I think that mm-hmm. you get a guy like this who's just ultra-athletic, let him go protect Carson Wentz now for the lifetime of this new contract that he just signed. I think it's a great fit for the Eagles and a premier position for them to get a guy on a rookie contract. So I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved Andre Dillard coming out of Washington State. Obviously, you talked about it already. He was the number one pass-protecting offensive lineman in this draft, and I really don't think it was very, very close. Now, obviously, he does have to develop his game uh, in terms of becoming a run blocker in the NFL. But, man, I I, I hate to do this. I, I would have just rather seen Philadelphia draft a player that they know would have gotten instant impact on the field this year. Um, right there with the 22nd overall pick. And I know they moved back up there to get him and get ahead of Houston right there at 23. And I understand that Jason Peters, like you mentioned, is in the twilight of his career. But just maybe, maybe this is me being biased because I want to see Andre Dillard on the field and playing well um, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I know he needs some seasoning, but you take a guy here in the first round, especially especially at the tackle position, that guy better play and play early. And, and to be honest with you, this isn't a guy that's ever going to be able to play offensive guard in the NFL and he's damn sure not going to be playing right tackle in Philadelphia anytime soon either because Lane Johnson's one of the best if not the best right tackle in all of football so at this point you're basically 
taking a flyer on a first-round pick, knowing that he's going to be your replacement for Jason Peters, and then the only way you're really going to get value out of him in year one, hell, maybe even year two, because you never know if Jason Peters has a resurgence because he is that type of athlete. We've seen him. You know, he may be in his 13th or 14th year in the league right now, but Jason Peters is a Hall of Famer. Um, And even if he's playing at 80% of that Hall of Fame value that he did in his prime, he's still worth, you know, a roster spot, especially at the left tackle position, something that's so valuable there. So just for my own personal preferences, I would have rather seen Andre Dillard at a place like Houston where we know he would have gotten reps and reps early. And I do like it for Philadelphia in the sense that you get, you know, that back-end insurance for, like you said, the remainder of that uh, Carson Wentz contract. But, again, I just would have rather seen it uh, in a place where Andre Diller gets on the field and on the field early. As for Deshaun Jackson, man, I love the player. Um, Just, you know, as – you know, Deshaun Jackson, I think he's still got some left in the tank there. And we've even seen it with a guy like Ted Ginn Jr., who's a little bit older of a model um, as Deshaun Jackson. There's always going to be a place in the league for a guy that can blow the top off a of defense. And Deshaun Jackson still does that really, really well. Um, I just don't think he got enough target shares last year in Tampa. And I believe he's only like 32 or 33 years old at this point, Sarah. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of Deshaun Jackson back there in Philadelphia now? Yeah, I think it's a fun move for them. You know, you get a little bit of that nostalgia back there. He went and played for a division rival. Now you get him back. Uh, I, I think it's a great move for them. You know, they really they really didn't need to go get him. I think that's the great thing about it is they, they probably could have used him, but they, they really didn't need it. And so mm-hmm. for them to be able to go and make that happen, to bring that nostalgia back for the fans, and to get a guy who can really blow the top off a of defense, I mean, that's his skill set is completely different than what they acquired from Golden Tate last year at the trade deadline. And I think they had to do – they maybe did have to do something because they gave up a third-round pick to get Golden Tate for like half a season. And so you have to go get somebody out there who can make an impact on the game. And so you got Aguilar and you've got Alshon Jeffrey and now you've got Deshaun Jackson and you've got guys who can – just beat you a multitude of ways, and so I think that that's a, I think it's a fun pickup. And with Carson Wentz fully healthy, it'll be interesting to see with his ability to get the ball vertically down the field. I'll be excited to watch those two guys playing together. All right, Jimmy B. Last question of the night at Jimmy B. In the house, ask reports out of Giants camp is that Daniel Jones is surprising a lot of people. What do you think expectations should be in New York for Jones this season? Uh, Sarah, I'll start with you, man. What what are kind of your uh, thoughts on Daniel Jones there and, and that New York Giants quarterback situation, my man? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him as the starter or sooner than later, um, especially after what Pat Shermer was saying at, their, at the end of their OTAs. Yeah. You know, he's talking about kind of how it's an open competition, and that's really not something that you say if you're – I mean – you got Eli Manning out there, right? He's the he's been the Giants guy for so many years now, and he's been even amidst the questions of whether or not he would be uh, the start, the starter. They've confirmed and said, no, 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 he's he's the guy. He's the star. And this is really the first time we've ever heard anyone with the Giants say anything other than Eli's the starter. Other than last year when they they decided to pull him and call it an injury or whatever that was, or the year so, before for I, I Geno think, Smith, but that ended up called causing uh buddy to lose his job up there what was what was old slick yeah. hair dude I, I forgot buddy's name that uh coached uh, in 2017 oh my goodness isn't it crazy how you forget that so quickly yeah it is but either um, way he basically forgot, got fired for sitting Eli. and uh 
And then right. obviously yeah. Shermer and the staff last year, like you said, whether or not it was a faked injury or whatever, um, I think it was really more of a chance to see their third stringer and see if they wanted to keep that guy on roster. But nonetheless, um, I get what you're saying. I think Daniel Jones definitely could start um, – you know, relatively early there. I, I looked at it, man. I looked at the schedule. I think it's reasonable to believe he, he could be the starting quarterback uh, there for the Giants as early, you know, at worst case, let's say week seven against the Cardinals. That's the week after they go uh, to Foxborough there in week six. Obviously, I don't think you want to throw Daniel Jones uh, into that kind of mess that early unless he is ready for it, like you said there, as early as week one. And I know it's open to debate there uh, and open for competition, but I definitely Definitely don't think there's any chance he lasts any later than week 11 there after their bye. I believe they play Detroit in week 9. They have a bye in week 10, and then there in week 11 is definitely a spot for him to start. But I think the best thing for Daniel Jones, and, and you can kind of comment on this, Sarah, um, you know, it does suck that everyone bashed him right there at the number six pick. Like, no one had anything nice to say about that pick. But I do think it kind of removed a lot of the pressure of actually being the number six pick in my mind. Because, look, man, if he comes out and does relatively anything good, uh, it's kind of just going to be the cherry on the top there for Giants fans, in my opinion. I think their expectations are so, so low at this point. Um, and it sounds bad for a number six overall pick. But, again, I think the expectations are so low that he can't do anything but surprise people. Do you kind of agree there, sir? Yeah, absolutely. People have slandered that pick to no end. And so if he does anything good, people are going to be like, wow, maybe we were wrong about Daniel Jones, you know, and that's that's exactly how it's going to go because that's how people are. You know, we doubt something that no or don't like right away. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this guy's actually a pretty good football player. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and uh, so, yeah, I could see that happening for sure. All right, let's get into these comeback player of the year candidates. Uh, we'll just kind of fire them off one by one until we feel like we're done with it. Uh, Sarah, I'll open up the floor to you, uh, and then I'll back up. Go ahead. Yeah, I think one player who was really on his way to having a, a big season last year was Cooper Cup, the wide receiver for the mm -hmm. Los Angeles Rams. And kind of forget that they even had him because of how well their offense played without him. Uh, yeah. But he's such a crucial part of that offense. And he was, I mean, like I said, he was on his way to being one of the best receivers in the league, one of the best young receivers in the league at that. And I just love what he brings to the table, man. He's in my, he's on my fantasy dynasty team. And so uh, I picked him up when he was a rookie, just thinking, man, maybe there's something here because I really loved just the, the way that he performed at the senior bowl and the way that, the way that he can play inside, outside. I love what he's got going on there. I wish they could have, I wish they could have brought him back for the Super Bowl to see what he could have done in that game. I think he was pretty close to being healthy at that point but yeah I'm I'm pumped to see him back on the field in 2019 yeah cup was definitely number two there on my list um you know in his two years he's definitely outperformed that third round draft status out of eastern Washington and uh you know he's kind of a security blanket for Jared Goff there in that offense just a guy that understands how to get open and uh seemingly does so all the time so uh, I think the number one guy on our on both of our lists and I think you left him off on purpose just for me because uh, we talked about a pre-show and I called dibs on him. Uh, it's Jimmy GQ, man. Obviously, he tore his knee up 
uh, in week three against Kansas City last season. And though he didn't exactly set the world on fire in those first couple of starts, I think there's more than enough reason to believe that Kyle Shanahan can make this guy an elite quarterback in my mind. I believe that if Shanahan can make Nick Mullins an NFL starter that completes 64% of his passes through eight football games last year as a rookie, I definitely think he can make Jimmy G elite. So that's a guy I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this year uh, have a full season in that off, you know, in that offense. Obviously, he had a full off season to kind of fully learn and take in the off, you know, the offensive playbook. So that's a guy I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this year. Let's snake draft it a little bit. I'll keep rolling. A guy I'm looking forward to seeing this year uh, in his, you know, relative, basically his rookie campaign after getting hurt last year is Darius Geist, the running back out of LSU there yeah. in Washington, man. In his first run from scrimmage in a preseason game, number one last year, he tore his ACL while dragging three or four defenders down the field on a 40-yard gain. I know he had a tough recovery this offseason with an infection uh, post-surgery there in his knee, which was an issue, but he got it cleaned up and he's expected to fully be healthy there in week one for the Redskins. So, um, you know, they're going to need to run the football to protect their rookie quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, we'll all, we all expect him to start at some point this season. Uh, whether or not it's week one, we won't know that until obviously we get there. But nonetheless, they're going to be a run-heavy offense as they were last season. And I think Darius Geis is going to get the boatload of those carries, um, you know, in that offense. I know they still got Chris Thompson, and I believe they re-signed Adrian Peterson there in that offense. So, But I yep. think Darius Geis gets majority of the carries because they did invest a first-round draft pick in the kid out of LSU just a few seasons ago. So that's my pick, man. I really like the kid out of LSU. I think he runs really, really hard. Yeah, I like that pick too, and it sounds like some Ajay P. Ryan, another guy who could be a candidate on this list, yeah. is having a good offseason for the Redskins too. So interested to see how that works out. I'm gonna take I'm gonna go against my you know, I'm gonna go against the Rasta Horn status here. I'm gonna pick a tight end out of the AFC West. This is an interesting stat that I found from Pro Football Focus while researching uh, for this topic tonight. But there's no higher wide receiver rating du- uh, between duos other than Philip Rivers and Hunter Henry, the tight end, over the last 13 years. Their rating of 143.7 is better than Peyton Manning and Austin Colley, Peyton Manning and Julius Thomas, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, you name it, doesn't matter. The highest rating between a single duo in the NFL in the last 13 years belongs to Rivers and Henry. And I can speak from experience having my team play against these two guys that Hunter Henry is a backbreaker. It doesn't It doesn't really seem to matter who Phillip Rivers has at the tight end, um, whether it's Gates or Henry. He makes a, that guy a star, although Virgil Green, I don't know what happened to him last year. Hopefully he bounces back. But um, Hunter Henry, man. Yeah, he's he's a mismatch, and when healthy, this guy's gonna be a game breaker. Despite what Stephen A. Smith seems to think, uh, wasn't making any impact on the games last year. But uh, when he is in the game, he is a high impact player. Stephen A. was right about that. And I'm gonna, if we're doing the snake draft, I'm gonna pick an underrated guy here. I know we crap on the Bengals quite a bit in this show, but at the same time, I think they've got somebody who could be kind of one of those uh, superstars that they build around. I'm going to call him a superstar, man. I I got to. I love this guy in college, and I think he's going to be really good going forward in the NFL. Carl Lawson tore his ACL Uh, week eight last year. Big time pass rusher out of Auburn. Uh, I don't, I still to this day can't understand how he lasted till the fourth round, but he did. 
And uh, he's got a fresh start this year with the Bengals. He's going to be a featured piece of that defense. And why not? Because he's probably the only piece of that defense that that's worth writing home about. So this guy's going to be a stud, man. And I think he's going to have a big year in 2019. Yeah, Carl Lawson's even got the pedigree, man. He was the number one player overall coming out of high school um, here in Georgia. And then he goes and plays, you know, three or four seasons over there in Auburn. And like you said, just doesn't make sense why he falls all the way to the fourth round. Maybe there was some, you know, some medical issues that we didn't know about. Um, we definitely would have heard about any off the field concerns. I feel like there were Carl Lawson. So maybe it's just something we weren't privy to coming out of college. Uh, just didn't really make sense. Like I said, when you consider the pedigree last guy I'll mention here for the night, um, it's Will Fuller, man, he had a tough. He has a tough time staying on the field since coming out of Notre Dame. But when he is on the field, the dude's flat out electric. If he can put together a full 16 game season, uh, he's easily going to go over a thousand yards and a handful of scores. Last season in seven games, he had 32 catches for 503 yards um, before tearing his ACL. There, um, you know, kind of makes his money with vertical uh, passing threats down the field anyway. So I'm not necessarily worried about the ACL and it's 2019 I don't think anyone's worried about any ACL surgeries anymore to be honest with you dating back to Adrian Peterson coming back and rushing for almost 2,000 mm -hmm. yards um, you know nine months after tearing his ACL um, there at like 32 year, years of age so that is uh, you know my, my pick there Will Fuller I like him and it seems like him and Deshaun Watson just kind of have you know a chemistry uh, when it comes to scramble plays, man, when Deshaun Watson's getting outside the pocket, he seemingly always finds Will Fuller uh, down the field. So that's my guy there. Uh, any other guys you kind of want to mention, Sarah, before we get out of here for the night? Gosh, you know I got to mention somebody for my Broncos, man. I got to mention Jake Butt, the tight end. Yes, sir. Jake Butt, man, the former All-American, the former Mackey, Mackey Award winner, one of the best tight ends in college football from really for from 2015 till or 20 I think it was 2014 or 2015 through 2016 and when it, his final game he tore his ACL became a fifth round pick the number one pick of the fifth round of the 2017 NFL draft Jake Butt and he sat out his entire rookie season and the dude was just gangbusters in the 2018 offseason he was lighting up Broncos OTAs Broncos training camp the hype train surrounding this guy was massive and now he tore his ACL again last year in practice. And now nobody's talking about him because now Jeff Hireman had, had kind of a breakout season there in Denver and Noah Fant drafted in the first round. So you're kind of thinking, well, Jake Butt's kind of the odd man out at this point. He's not even fully recovered from that ACL. Uh, not so fast, people. I think that Jake Butt is going to be a big-time contributor to this Denver Broncos offense along with Noah Fant. And uh, I would not be surprised if he's tight end one by the end of training camp. He's that good. He's highly, highly respected in that locker room already. The front office loves him. Uh, the coaching staff obviously going to love him. Just a hard worker. Kind of represents everything the Broncos want their players to represent. And so if he's healthy, man, if he's if he's fully back, Jake Butt, a very underrated player. guy probably could have been a first or second round tight end if he'd come out of college healthy and so here he is in year three ready for that breakout season man a little late but i'll give it to you anyways a little rasta horn action for you here uh for the for the homer you got to give him the homer horn even when he rolls in with jake butt so everybody seems to love butt this offseason there in denver and we love you guys for listening to us here 
on the NFL Mocks podcast. That is our show for tonight. Uh, ran a little bit over. Uh, we try to keep these things under 30 minutes for you guys in the off season. Uh, but you know, the off season's wrapping up. OTAs are you know getting close to closing, and, and camps are going to start up here soon, man. Uh, you know, some inner squad action probably going to start relatively soon, and we're all excited for that here on the NFL Mocks. Uh, podcast. Sarah, do you got anything to let the no- folks know before we send them out today? You know, just thank you all for listening. Uh, it's You hate to see it, but Golden State, man, I, I, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, I don't know what they're going to do. Mm. They lost the finals. They lost two of their best players. Man, that is a backbreaker. And how about Kawhi Leonard, man, just coming out of nowhere. Uh, literally didn't play last year. I'm pretty sure. I don't follow the NBA that closely, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure Kawhi Leonard sat out last year. He got did. traded to the Toronto Raptors this year and just comes right on out. Wins himself an NBA title. The first brings a title uh, north of the border to Toronto. I think that's just great. It's What a story, man. But unfortunately for Golden State, reality is about to set in because you lose two superstar players to major injuries. Uh, that's tough. So you hate to see it. Golden State down and kicked while they were down. Yeah, I mean, you hate to see it. Toronto Raptors fans, you get your first ever NBA championship. But just hours after the NBA Finals, uh, you know, concludes, it's pretty clear that Masai Ujiri, uh, your general manager that concocted that roster there in Toronto seemingly, uh, is probably going to be headed to Washington. uh, That offer around $10 million a year. Now, Toronto obviously can match it. But if you're Masai Ujiri, uh, you also know that you hate to see it. Kawhi Leonard is definitely leaving Toronto. Um, all of his post-game conference, uh, you know, post-game comments were all referencing them, uh, the city of Toronto. No eyes, we's, or me's brought into that conversation, which ultimately leads you to believe that he's gone. Obviously, the Vegas odds were released today, the third highest, uh, you know, favorable odd for next year's NBA Finals Championship is the LA Clippers, which is ultimately where Kawhi Leonard has been linked since even leaving the Spurs. He wants to be out there in LA, and he doesn't want to be a number two to the uh, to the LeBron show out there. So you hate to see it. Congratulations, Toronto, but you're probably going to lose your mastermind uh, in Masai Ujiri, and you're definitely losing your superstar there in Kawhi Leonard, and you'll probably blow it up. But you know what? You got your NBA Finals Championship. It is there, uh, and Canada owns. The Larry O'Brien for the next 365 days. So congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. But you just hate to see it, man. But that's it for our show tonight. We appreciate <laughs> yeah, you guys for it. listening. And uh, if you haven't caught on, we're going to close out every t- every one of these shows a little. You hate to see it because we like to give you all the good news first. And then just where you, you just hate to see it, man. But that's it. Sarah, send them out, man. <laughs> All right, guys, we love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you would, rate, review, subscribe, ask us questions, engage with us on Twitter. We really appreciate it. If you like listening, if you're if, if this is fun for you, uh, let's, let's have fun together. So reach out. We'd love to talk to you and can't wait for the next episode. And don't forget, everybody loves butt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.